0: welcome to the legendarium right now the big news is ryan's back
1: yeah yeah i made it back for this one and guess what i was doing my homework to go and listen to you guys and i totally turned it off and forgot so
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad to know that we were so riveting Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast, number 137. This is Path of Daggers, part two. I am Craig Hanks, your host. And over there, he's whiter than a marshmallow, and I'd like to roast him over a fire until he bursts into flame. It's Kyle Lemon.
2: Well, I'm hot. (laughs) Sticky sweet. Oh.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh, gross. And And that voice you just heard, you don't have to like him, but you will respect anybody who manages it it's ken johnson dude i am living off of caffeine and stress you can't touch me (laughs) and he's slower than a tortoise but he's still losing the hair it's ryan bruckman (laughs) (laughs) all right i think i got ken with that one (laughs) i see what you did there (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty good i gotta say all right so welcome everybody a little bit of housekeeping uh go to patreon.com slash legendarium and please support the podcast things are going really well there and i've very much appreciated everybody's uh, efforts to help support the show and uh, just a reminder we are putting together our gift packages for the five dollar donors those will be going out soon uh let's see what are we in now june so they should go out sometime next month and I'm very much looking forward to putting those together. So you don't have to do the $5 package. Any little bit helps. Uh, if you have a dollar to spare every time you listen to this episode, and I promise you do, if you if you have an iPhone or whatever you're listening to this on, you do have that to spare. Uh, and we would love for you to support the show. Uh, anything anything helps. Uh, and I don't know. I, I can't...
1: Give up your house-cost avocado toast <laughs> for a day. <laughs>
0: no i i don't want to that's the thing is every time i hear something like that i mean and i just did it but it it does drive me a little bit crazy that whole like oh you live a rich lifestyle and it's like no i mean you're you know i don't know it just feels uncomfortable for me to be like oh you live the same way i do (laughs) (laughs) you know but anyway, uh, no, I guess it's all just about we, we do spend a lot of time and, and frankly, a lot of money uh, preparing content for you guys. And so if you like it, please support it. We very much appreciate it. Now, uh, let's see. Coming up on the show, I uh, we are doing Treason by Orson Scott Card. And by we, I think it's right now just scheduled to be me and Todd. Uh, I don't think anybody else is reading that one. The book is on my nightstand. Oh, is it? And that's the last time I touched it. It's not
2: very long. no, I so. just I'm you know trying to find time. yeah, yeah,
0: i'll I'll get it done. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see about that. Yeah. Uh no, so we are doing treason by Orson Scott Card. I just mentioned that in case anybody wants to follow along uh, as we read the next thing and and prepare that episode uh all right and the final thing i'll mention as always is the legendarium.reddit.com go join the conversation there and we had uh quite a few responses to uh, to the question of what do you want us to discuss in this episode so thanks to everybody for joining in that and we'll get to those a little bit later but right now the big news is ryan's back
1: yeah yeah, hey. I made it back for this one. Pans and back. guess Pans what? Back. I was doing my homework to go and listen to you guys, and I totally turned it off and forgot. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to know that we were it's so riveting. The legendary
3: turned re- off.
1: I was going to listen so I'm like, to hear what points you had made, so I was trying not to be repetitive or whatever, and I listened for a couple minutes and then got distracted by something else and never came back to it. So don't worry, we're going to be repetitive. That's going to be a
2: resounding, <laughs> that's a resounding endorsement. Exactly. We so can't compelling even the panelists, something. don't even listen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah. donate to Patreon
3: because <laughs> we're riveting. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh no, I'm I'm glad you're back. It was it's funny if you had listened you would have noticed that we didn't even notice that you were gone until about 40 minutes into the recording. Uh so, oh, that's right. Ryan's not here. I forgot to mention that. But <laughs> anyway,
1: I'm sure my three paid listeners will have <laughs> exactly will feel very <laughs> yeah, bad yeah. about
0: it. Your your mom, your aunt, and your grandma? Yeah, pretty much. Yep, okay. Uh all right, let's get started. We last week we did our um our recap of the mm-hmm. book. So I think we can just dive right into the path of daggers. Uh, maybe it would be a good idea to start with a Reddit question. Uh, and this is a, this is a really good one. We're starting off with a, a bit of a thinker. And so I think, I know I've got an answer. I think Kyle's got one, but maybe the two of you would want to, uh, kind of ruminate for a moment while we talk. And the question comes from our, our old friend, AU Asmodian underscore, and on reddit he says uh, you've said that path of daggers doesn't feel like a whole book since it has no cohesive structure or theme i.e great hunt was about the horn of valir fires of heaven was about the shadow aiel if you were rj or his editor where would you have put the beginning and ending of the book so that it felt more like a complete novel
3: bend over and i'll show you <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, sorry i had to
3: i didn't mean to derail
0: (laughs) (laughs) how do you top that answer (laughs) Uh, okay oh my goodness well thank you for (laughs) joining us on the Legendary podcast
1: (laughs) please donate on patreon uh
0: that was that was awful kyle I mean, Sorry. it was it was kind of like uh, you know that line you hear in the movies, great and terrible. It was all these things.
3: So. I apologize if I offended anybody. That was uh, that was wonderful. Oh man.
0: So anyway, <laughs> the question, the, it is a real question, and I think it's a really good one. <laughs> is uh, you know where would we have put the beginning and end of the book? Because uh, I think that was your point that you made last time, Kyle. Is sometimes these feel like. It was almost like books eight and nine were meant to be one book, but then it kind of got away from him. And so he artificially split it down the middle and suddenly you've got two books or something like Mm. that. Um, And I think it's a fair point. So where would we have put this? I would probably say the beginning is okay. I was really disappointed that the bowl of the winds didn't get used in book seven. Seven. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And and so that, that felt like a finale to me. Um, But I, that being said like the beginning of this book the way if you take book seven out of the equation the way this book started i felt okay with it but the end of it had to be when rand used calendar uh in the battle with the sean chan uh it it was just it was so big and it was very climactic and then suddenly you've got another hundred pages with another like mini battle scene back in whatever city they go back to kyrian Kyrian. yeah Mm um do you know what I mean? Yeah,
3: yeah. I think I think it was it would have been the perfect ending to have Rand do his whole thing with Kalendor. I am the Storm, and you know <laughs> Bashir <laughs> has to tackle him because he's killing his own people, and just that whole crazy scene. And Rand feels like, you know, he says, "I am the Dragon Reborn," and for the first time, I have lost. And as a reader, I was like, "Oh man!" Like, pretty devastating. Yeah, this is this is terrible. But then it immediately cuts to the Shan Chen general. And he basically says the same thing where he's like, well, you know, for the second time, the Sean, you know, the ever
1: victorious army
3: has yeah, been defeated. Has lost. Exactly. And, uh, you know, Craig, you and I were talking about it a little bit before the, the podcast. That that's more of a philosophical ending as a reader. I'd be like, oh, crap, who won? Like if they're both if they're both saying they lost, what's going on? What's happening? And for me, that would make me want to jump into the next book even more. But like you said, we have kind of this hundred pages after that, that kind of I don't want to say kill off that anticipation, but it definitely, you know, dissipates a little bit by the end of the book. I'm not quite as ready to jump in and say like, hey, I want to know what's going on between these two armies that there was this epic battle. Right.
0: Yeah, I think there is that kind of uh, philosophical question of what does it mean to be victorious versus, uh, you know, to lose a battle uh, at what point do the costs outweigh the benefits etc cetera, etc cetera. but then there's just that emotional kind of punch to the gut that you get when he cuts to the Chen general who says we lost right after rand said that to himself uh, i i think that kind of that emotional aspect would have made it a much better ending ryan agree disagree different opinion
1: yeah I, that's exactly i would have had the same cuts slide the bull of the winds use into the previous book so yeah. that we can see that wrap up because that one didn't really have a super strong finish Ending, yeah and then uh ran that battle sequence because what is what drives forward in that hundred pages with the attack from Toshiva like that's nothing that it, yeah we've we've learned something that could have easily been your like right after your prologue in the next book and been like oh well we're gonna hit the ground running exactly um so i i try to understand the concept like oh but i really need them to know i really need this to happen and Mm -hmm. i don't want to wait you know considering in the terms of writing or whatever that i don't want to wait another year or two or whatever before my before this part is revealed Mm -hmm. but at the same time just in terms of of proper cuts and and editing as we had been discussing off the
0: um yeah we were talking about the principles of editing before yeah the
1: that the end of that battle sequence is what felt like it should have been the end you can wrap you know a couple things, and maybe give a yep. little twist, but a little uh, epilogue. But that's kid. it. That's yep. it.
0: Uh, Ken,
2: yeah, um, I, you guys kind of stole all the thunder, but I, I will say seven, eight, and and what I've read of nine so far, it, it feels like those three books could have been two books. I mean, you, you rework eight. Um, I would have put you know the Bowl of the Winds at the end of book seven. You know, start start off book eight. Make sure that it ends with with the battle and and the remorse. You know, the buyer's remorse from from Kalimdor. But uh, I, and I think I think that all of the stuff with Deshiva through the book could have led up to the beginning of book nine being the attack on on Rand by Dashiva and his men, and and it starts that book out running. You know, well and somewhere in that I, it feels like seven eight and nine really were meant to be two books that are that are split into three to yeah. Me.
0: Yeah.
1: have have we I feel like pretty consistently up to this point that we have ended on a rather large event happening where it's actually ended within a, a little time period eye of the world is the eye of the world sequence right uh, hunt, great great, 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 great hunt hunt. The battle we do the that head. dragon reborn he takes Kalendor, yep. uh stabs Ishmael or mm-hmm. whoever yep. it is there um, this I, I do think this is the first time where there's a, a fairly decent chunk of time after the major event that should be the climax and end um, and I wonder reading um, some of Sanderson's discussions about r- finishing off like I wonder if he dealt with the same if Robert Jordan dealt with the same thing that Ro- that Brandon Sanderson did when he took over where it was just one of those things like I can't do this in the amount of in the, the hundred thousand count. words I've got or whatever yeah. I can't do this um, so I'm going to have to slide this over. I'm going to have to do this, or I'm going to have to split it, and, and that's why we get the unnatural cuts.
0: Right. Yeah, Yeah. it makes sense. And, uh, and
3: I think, to clarify, that doesn't necessarily mean that the parts with Dashiva and the Ashiman were bad. We just feel like if we were to end the book, we would end the book before right. that happened. Yeah, right. Because well, that's
0: this is... some really
3: cool scene, er, scenes that happen there and, and really important character building and events that go go on in that last part of the book. Right. It just doesn't feel
1: like... It ending of a book. It doesn't it feel intru-
2: climactic. It feels mm-hmm. important, absolutely, but not book-ending It really climactic. introduces
1: a concept which has been alluded to up to this point of dissension in the Black Tower, that there are factions there, that there are things going on in the Black Tower. And we have known pretty much since the arrival of Mazram Ta'im into Rand Land's piece, that he's going to be causing problems for yep. Rand. Mm-hmm. And so to know that there is... that there, Now they're acting on it. Now things are happening... And Rand still has to utilize the Black Tower. He still has to do it. Like, it's a fantastic piece. It's a fantastic element to add. Timing-wise, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. I There's uh, that old saw that uh, Watt fam, fans are very familiar with, which is the Lull books eight nine and ten generally speaking uh and and i i think it's definitely not without merit Mm -hmm. Uh, it is a real thing these these books do move more slowly and they just have a different feel from the early books okay i get that but that out of the way um it there's uh i think the lull is due to what kyle you've mentioned and many people have mentioned which is when these books were published they weren't published concurrently people had to wait a year they had to wait two years between books however long it was and so when you have unnatural cuts like that it's a lot more jarring i bet Mm -hmm. when you're waiting two more years for the next book to come out Mm -hmm. and so i think there's something to be said for if you've got you know you've got your kindle all loaded up or you have your uh what's that thing i listened to audible (laughs) uh you have your audible all loaded up and you can just hit next and keep going with the story that makes it a little bit less harsh Mm -hmm. but if we're looking at it from not just not not the story as a grand whole but uh, the book by itself like if if we say each book needs to be contained within itself then then that's where he kind of missed the mark a little bit yeah. it's,
3: pre- it's pretty interesting i was i was actually watching a youtube um interview with robert jordan after i don't know if it was eight book eight or book nine that came out maybe it was even mm. crossroads of twilight but he was doing an interview and they were asked the the interviewer was asking him you know we're on to book 10 or whatever this is and can you explain your process a little bit and he talks about how he outlines particular events. And I think that we could probably up to this point tell, you know, what, which events are the big outlined events that he has, mm-hmm. but he says he doesn't really plan on how to get from one event to the next event. You he's, don't say he's very much a I didn't see that coming. <laughs> well, I mean, cause like Sanderson um, is an outliner and a very deliberate outliner. Right. Um, You know, he'll do point A through Z, where Jordan might do point A, K, and X, you know. Um, But he says he's very much a discovery writer. And I think these books and part of the lull is that Jordan just got really interested in the world that he was creating and wanted to spend more time in it. And that's where an editor should have come in and trimmed some of that back. Not to say that it's not enjoyable. We touched on that he's a very much a uh, character-driven author. Um, He's very talented and and really good with prose. It's pleasant to read, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a direct line from point A to point Z. He kind of meanders around a little bit.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, I feel like we've beaten this point to death over the last episode or two so let's mm-hmm. leave that behind what do you yep. say uh, and let's talk about something you guys want to talk about Ryan uh, you weren't here last week so do you have any notes that you want to catch up on
1: uh, I gotta pull them up which I should have had them up already oh, okay. <laughs> well <laughs> how about you Kyle
3: um yeah I talked to you at work a little bit I said remind me about Rand's sickness okay. make sure you hey, remind me about Rand's sickness Kyle uh, can you tell
0: us about Rand's sickness
3: what What? oh <laughs> Um.
0: We're, so, we're Rand, so clever.
3: I know, right? Rand now has this like nausea every time he tries to seize sighting. Dizziness and, and nausea. It's, and it's just it's probably cancer. started this book. So my question to you guys is, what do you think that is? Where does that come from? Um, and like, what's going on with the sickness? Let's hmm. just talk about it for
2: a minute. One thing's for sure. I'm not down with it. Um, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think now. I had a thought about it, and now I can't remember what that thought was. It's been so long.
1: So honestly, um, I can tell you why I don't care. But well, this sort of this has kind of become a thing. I'm trying to remember. I feel like this is, this has become a thing since the Pot on Fane incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And oh, the uh, the slicey slice stabby stabby. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so I feel like this. Problem is probably connected to that uh, to, to, like to the Shadar sickness Logo. of Shadar Logoth. Ah, that every time he reaches for the power, that the power of Shadar Logoth that's resident that's resident inside of him or whatever is churning from being near the One Power, and the evil that's inside of him from that, like it's like and they're conflicting. Kind of oil so, and water. Yeah, kind and of thing. well, he's got like two separate oils in him now. He's got the right. Shadar Logoth, and then the Ishmael's stabby stabby part um, <laughs> that those are conflicting and so when he reaches for the one power it's just like this super bad thing that's causing him yep. to be sick um oh i like it that's that's my thoughts on okay. it okay i that's where i was going that's bull yeah. crap no bull really.
2: crap not necessarily you're sitting
0: there you're sitting there going yeah that yeah, sounds yeah, pretty that's, good i think I'm yeah gonna that, take that's back. what i that's what i meant too yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i uh okay so i i Sounds like as good a theory as uh, as I could have ever come up with, but I didn't care to come up with it <laughs> because. <laughs> so because why, don't, it, um, why don't you care? Well, I I just it came out of nowhere. At least it felt like it did to me. And now that you say that, Ryan, I'm like, oh, maybe it didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. and That's <laughs> and that's fine. So that's a great theory. Uh, but as I was reading, I'm like, oh, this came out of nowhere, uh, and there is absolutely no hint of an explanation nobody's even looking for an explanation yet in book eight and so i didn't care but it has already proved to be a
3: problem in sure book eight sure because he yeah. can't seize the source without basically puking his guts out and showing weakness the ashaman take note that like something's up with that um and it even gets to the point where like i think he loses the source at some point because he was shocked by what i can't remember who he was talking to somebody said something to him and it like totally made him like the void crashed and he lost the source right and then he's afraid to seize the source again in front of people to show that weakness and so it really creates a problem for rand yeah um and going forward it you know continues to so i wanted to pick your guys's brains and see i know the answer but i think i will leave it for now
0: thank you because you know what spoilers suck watt thread or uh, subreddit
1: <laughs> well one of the things that I one of the reasons why I think this is so important to not only does it show weakness but most of Rand's power most of his authority is derived from being the dragon reborn and the the strongest male channeler if all of a sudden you cut half of that out of there and the drag like he might be the dragon reborn but he can't do anything like you really open him up to losing a lot of the things that he's set up. Right. And he can't afford that really. And especially with the, the Sean Chan invasion going on, like anything that weakens him is really a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So. Uh,
0: It's one of those things. Oh, come back. Yeah. It's one of those things that I've noticed in a lot of literature is uh, uh, so often the lesson that people take as they read is they're like, oh man, I'm like, I want to be like Rand. I want to, you mm-hmm. know, I want to be an influencer and a leader and all this stuff. And it's like, guess what? He's super powerful. He knows how to do something better than anybody else. That's one of my, well, that's always been one of my lessons as I read stuff is like, oh no, I'm super average. <laughs> Congratulations.
1: <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a tangent that I shouldn't go down. Uh, Ryan, did you find your points? I did, and I don't know if you guys have already talked about them. One of my favorite things in here is... Yeah, we
0: got there. Okay, so (laughs) Kyle. (laughs) Wow. It's
1: a discussion um, that Cad Swain has, and as much as we loathe Cad Swain, occasionally she does bring up some important things. The concept of hard versus strong.
0: Yes, I've highlighted that for yeah. sure.
1: Did we talk about that? Not really. Um Maybe we mentioned it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we did
3: because we were we were talking other things about Cad Swain, not yeah. nice things. But <laughs> but <laughs> so, I think it, it's actually a pretty good segue to this point because Rand cannot show you know, he he thinks that he
1: has to be super hard and he can't show his weakness. So I think it actually So what was pretty it? Well. Strong versus hard? Yeah, so I'll read yeah. you this piece here and it's Cad Swain. She's talking to the uh, um to the wise ones, to Leah. She says, Do you believe a man must be hard? She asked. She was taking a chance. Or strong or, or strong. By her tone, she left no doubt she saw a difference. Again, sorely a touch of the tray. The smallest of smiles might have quirked her lips for an instant. Or not. Most men see the two as one and the same, Catswain Malydron. Strong endures, hard shatters. And I, I, I read that and I, like it was one of those moments where if I wasn't listening to my car I would like drop my phone and be like, Oh that's <laughs> that's huge yeah, it was awesome because there, from here on out especially i've been spending a ton of time watching ran and the way he thinks and he constantly and robert jordan did a great job of saying Rand doesn't ever really say that um i have to be strong i have to be this like he might do it a little bit but he talks. he most frequently talks about that he's got to be i've got to be hard i can't i'll just show yeah. weakness i can't yeah. do whatever and the concept of of what that strength is versus that hardness. Cause yeah, the hard will shatter when it hits friction versus the, the strength of being molded and, and folded over a lot of uh, difficult times and difficult things. But what they point out later on is, as what strength is, is the ability like, for him to be able to laugh, for him to be able to, to cry, to, to have those emotions, to do all that and still face things is strength. It's not to say yeah. I don't deal with it. It's not there. It's to say I take it. I accept it. I, I make it a part of me, and then I move on, and I face what I need to face anyway. That's yeah. strength, and I—it's one of my favorite concepts in this series so far. Has been this concept, um, right up there with e. Toe and loving, you know, my my e. Toe loving. So I don't—I well, don't even want to know well, what you see it, that's
0: done.
3: In you see it in the end of this book too, where Min like berates Ran for not crying after he has to like kill the Ashiman that goes crazy. Mm-hmm, he puts a little yeah. something in the wine. And Min is mad at Rand because Rand basically just sits there and, you know, hardens himself even more. And she's like, Rand, you can cry. It's okay to cry. And he said something about, like, no, no, I'm not going to, basically. And so you see that illustrated pretty much right after that conversation is is
1: held with Cad Swain and and So, Which I find interesting. his Watching Rand's understanding of this concept and how he applies it is odd because... He does that with the Ashramon, and he's like, you know, that's casualties of war. It's whatever here. But yet he maintains this list of hundreds of women's names that he repeats to himself constantly, you know, that these women have died fighting Mm. for me or or in different ways or that I've killed, things like that. And I'm really trying—I sometimes struggle with Rand's sense of morality. It's almost hypocritical at times, like— Almost? Yeah, (laughs) at times. Yeah. It's it's like, okay— you know, you're saying you got to be hard, but when it comes to women, you're totally a different story here. All of a sudden, it's like I got to remember the name, and 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 I will pay the penance for it. But these Asherman, whatever. There you was uh, diamond doesn't on those.
2: <laughs> there was a moment in the book, uh,
1: it, it,
2: the kind of underrated moment where the the maidens come in and and give him the what for, for keeping him out of combat. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That I I think goes along with that and I think it is one of those underrated things that's going to serve a bigger purpose later in in terms of softening him on on the role of women in combat as it were. Um you remember what I'm talking about where he's he's getting ready to get frisky with men and the maidens come in and, and beat the crap and out of him. Yeah, we talked yeah, about that last time. Uh, give him give him Not a, they don't beat the crap out of him but they, you know, basically give him a good brotherly beatdown saying, "Hey, you know, stop treating us like we're nothing because we're something. And I, I thought it was interesting because uh, I thought that this was like a, a rebellion an upstart thing until Jordan pointed out that they were staying away from his all mm-hmm. ever present wounds. You know, they weren't actually going to hurt him. They were just teaching him a lesson and, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know if that was just a one-time thing, but I think it might serve to help soften him a little bit in terms of who he puts in, in harm's
1: way. I know you guys discussed that before, but can, can I tell you one of my favorite things about that whole ordeal, that they were all casting lots like as to who got to go <laughs> beat him. It's like, we're going to go just beat the crap out of the strongest man in the world right now. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to go do it? And it's not like one of those <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to go face him. They were like, yeah, no, I, I get a kick. I get a kick over here. I love that.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, what, I had something else I was gonna say. Ah, doesn't matter. Uh, Robert Jordan, good job on the level three stuff. Yeah. There's, I think, there's a lot so far through the first seven or eight books. There's a lot that you can tease out, uh, but there haven't been many things on that kind of personal, philosophical, make you a better person type things that are a, that are toward the surface. Uh, Like I say, I think you can tease out a lot of those things, but this is one of those ones where he presents it to you and says, here is a question for you to think about. Here's what I think about it. Now, what do you think? And I I really appreciated that a lot. I have... have, Strength versus hardness.
1: I have one more level three thing. Okay. um, That these are the two things that stood out to me most in this book. So again, forgive me if we go, if we're repeating something you've already talked about. Um, Up to this point... Egwene has been really focused on how she's going to change. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle gives us a big thumbs up. Thumbs um, down. Oh, no. We don't <laughs> thumbs up Egwene. Two thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> up to this point, Egwene has really been kind of thinking a lot about how she's going to change the Aes Sedai. It's, you know, how things are going to be different with her as an Amarlin and and what she's going to do to allow the Aes Sedai to move into the next generation and, and to do things differently. And she's really considering getting rid of the three O's. Right, and then she has a discussion with Swan. Swan. Yeah, we talked about this. You talked about that. So you're late to the party. I know I am late to the party here. Let me ask you guys this: Did you ask, like what sort of things do we have that make us who we are, or that make? Oh, okay, that define we define it. We didn't get there because our, for her the whole thing is for Swan. It comes down to the point that the three O's are what make an iceidai and iceidai. Yeah, I. This, yeah. We it's not about. just the ability to do that. So what in? what to us would yep. be things that would be the same thing like i am who i am because of x y and z oh that is who ryan
3: oh baseball <laughs> hot apple pie yeah. america
1: america, america. the thing is you can apply this to like to to just those things <laughs> right, like, right right right
0: yeah. no i think that's a great question and um a- and it as you were talking about that it made me think and and hopefully i can bring this around to your question but it made me think about tribalism mm-hmm. and we're living in a time right now when tribalism has reared its fearsome head and what i mean by that is that human beings have a tendency to sort themselves into different groups and it and it really can be something as simple and as fun usually as uh, you know Yankees versus Red Sox like, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, and we sort ourselves into these camps, and it gives us a sense of self worth, or or at least self identification, to say, "I am a Star Wars fan," "I am a Trekkie," or whatever. Your team, mm-hmm. Edward. Just and forward. so and and then it it goes past the um, the surface level kind of fun stuff, and then you get into. Uh, national identity and you get into religious identity and you get into uh, you know it, you want to go to the dark side of things you get into like racial doctrines and you know some some pretty awful stuff there but we have this natural tendency as humans uh, but how often do we stop to consider why why do I identify with this tribe and so you know a, a really popular one is a political divide conservative versus liberal or however in your country you uh you make that divide but there tend to be two or more warring political camps and we sort ourselves into those camps and and i think honestly a lot of times we do it just based on oh well one time i heard that this side likes this pet issue of mine and so I'm going to sort myself with those people. And then you end up taking in all this group's baggage mm-hmm. yeah. with you, right? And so I wonder if uh, if that might happen with the Aes Sedai as well. And if Egwene is trying to stop that from happening, whether consciously or or unconsciously, where it's, uh, you know, yes, we're Aes Sedai. And but but what does that mean why why do we want to be Aes Sedai what sort of unseen baggage comes with this and how do we unencumber ourselves and and getting rid of the three o's is that going to help us and and then that's the question does it help more than it hurts I don't you know I don't know so we all had our opinions last time but I don't think we came down to a, a final like you know this was right or this is wrong so yeah I was right you were wrong
2: <laughs> it's like it's like Frankie <laughs> says when two tribes go to war point is all that you can score. Alright. You're welcome.
1: Like So, Whatever. I'll yeah, toss yeah, my nice two cents to its time. value. Um, I agree with Swan in the sense that the Aes Sedai are defined by the three oaths, and they need to maintain them. I don't like them, um, but the, in order to be Aes Sedai, in the sense of an officer of, I'll call it an officer of the law, or an officer of the White Tower, right? there needs to be a code of conduct or a, something that you adhere to and swear to Yeah, that that needs to be there. I love the idea, and I'm sorry if it's a spoiler. It's not really that big of one anyway, but um, but the idea of allowing a retirement from that mm. um, for and joining the kin type thing, I like that concept because it allows you to be an officer of the law, and then when you're done with that, you can, you can release the three oaths and continue to be a servant of the tower in a different way.
0: Right. Okay. Duly noted. Ryan was on my side. where we are we have divided ourselves into our own tribes Tribes. (laughs) based on this question uh all right so i want to get away from the deepy deep thinky think stuff (laughs) time to blow something up and uh well actually i want to read another reddit comment this this has got to go in my top 10 favorite ever reddit comments and i'm going to read it as closely as i can to as written This is from Harvey Greenfield. That's the name of the user. I don't know what that's code for or if that's just Harvey's name. But uh, Harvey Greenfield says, According to the Wheel of Time wiki, nearly 20% of the Path of Daggers is focused on Elaine Tricand, giving her the (laughs) lion's share of this book's (laughs) pages. With that in mind, what percent of your attention while reading her lengthy chapters would you say you gave her story, and what percentage was actually spent imagining the hot, blackout induced, naughty things Elaine did while under the influence of the Red Rod Tarang Real from Ebudar? Rawr. Rawr. <laughs> Wait, what? I must have missed a chapter. <laughs> That's what I said, too. I'm like, what? Side, side question, this data out in the open, would you ever consider this to be Elaine's book? Why or why not? No. Okay, so back to, the, at, at some point she's testing Tarang Real and there's a red Rod. <laughs> it's a certain size, and when she channels into it, she blacks out, and then has an embarrassing moment when she wakes up the next morning, and people told her she did all sorts of crazy stuff. Nobody, no, nobody would tell her nobody what would, she did. Yeah, that's right. But they all laughed at her. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I. If you, if uh, I, I'm not doing this justice, and so it was a wonderful comment from Harvey Greenfield. If you haven't joined our Reddit community, you gotta go check that out. The, the comment, <laughs> the comment was great, but it served to prove yeah. that, uh, like Elaine, I pretty much blacked out during all of her chapters too. Oh, really? Early. So, so this would not be the it's Elaine not an book, Elaine for, book you? for me. Well, I wonder if that's uh, if that has anything to do with the perceived lull because there is so much Elaine and Kyle and I were kind of talking about this earlier. Elaine, well, she ain't the most uh, exciting or no uh, interesting character to read. She's basically uh, she's basically a decent person who basically tries to do the right thing almost all the time. And that's about all there is she's, to it. She's trying to be stately. I mean, once right. she
2: finally got to the throne, now I'm kind of interested. Oh yes, yeah. So you know, know, I I just, I, I, that's when I stopped caring. And uh, the concept of testing Tarongrial and creating Tarongrial, which I'm hoping she does in the next, you know, twenty books. I, <laughs> you know, but in between that, I'm just kind of like, man, eh. yeah. yeah, go do your thing and come I back to me like, when you got something interesting.
1: I feel like Robert Jordan to a certain extent, took a lot of these characters and said, I want to see if I can write this type of story and I'll do it with this character. Mm. You know, because each one has a different adventure feel to it. Um, and uh, Elaine's, Like the su- succession story? Of- yeah, and so Elaine is like his chance to be like, I'm going to write political thriller with her, with her yeah. and see how well it goes. Spoiler alert, it's it boring. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he is not good at political thriller on that level. <laughs> okay. Um
3: one thing uh to remember about elaine and it's we're obviously through book eight and so it hasn't happened yet and it's taking forever but um elida had a foretelling back way back in book one that talked about how house tracond would be would play an integral role in the last battle right Mm -hmm. that's why she uh,
1: aligned herself with them so (laughs) and so so
3: it is obviously we're Two million words into this thing and we're still waiting on that one but uh yeah just something to keep in mind
0: that's a good point i had forgotten about book one (laughs) in its entirety
1: i am interested to see how that foretelling plays out because there's a number of things if you if we took the time to actually go through all the prophecies and everything that had been foretold about the last battle and kind of go through it and see what have we figured out thus far and what do we think Mm -hmm. it might be interesting to kind of piece out and say okay we're pretty sure about this, we're pretty sure about this, what does this mean now? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, quite frankly, as far as we've seen in terms of her development is she could be the one who brings a water skin to the Rand at the right moment to give him a drink before he passes out <laughs> and so, so he can <laughs> pop Calendor up and stab right. somebody. MVP. Yeah. <laughs> right
0: there. You the real MVP. Uh, you know, I just realized when you're talking about that prophecy how kind of jealous i am of somebody who got really really into the wheel of time in the 90s mm-hmm. because if you if if i had done that you know and say maybe six books had come out at this point and i read these six books and i was like this is amazing and and uh, and then book 7 comes out 2 years later and in preparation i read all six books again and then when book 8 comes out i read all seven books again you know and you repeat the process over right. and over and over again I bet that little things like that would just be so much better. This As is, I'm reading yeah. this book, there are going to be so many little moments that are callbacks to the prophecy that Elida made in book one, or, mm-hmm, or yeah. you know, whatever thing was alluded to in book three, or whatever. And and I just I'm not getting those, and mm-hmm. I think it's understandable. I'm not going to say that like I'm a, I'm not a bad reader or something. It's just a damn lot of words.
3: We've we've hit on it a little bit before, but. The Wheel of Time is super tricky because it's really hard to just say, hey, you should read this book series because it's so long and so daunting. Right. And the thing that is great about The Wheel of Time is that it is even better every time you reread it because you pick up those little things. And Jordan was such just was so masterful at laying these tiny little clues and foreshadowing things. And it's so deep and so layered that you get something every single time you reread it. And like I said, I'm on the sixth time through and I still get that, but it's super difficult. So this is probably a criticism as, as well as a compliment. It's hard to go hand this series off to your buddy and say, this is going to change your life. This is awesome. Go ahead and reread it five times and then you're going to understand why you know but it's 14 books and four million words or whatever it is so gift and a curse i guess i was very
1: appreciative of like i said i had a friend who pointed something out to me but i got a little taste of what that is uh, that i would not have caught otherwise um when they pointed out the in our in the last book that you finally have all the information that you need to discover that rand has a sibling and Mm -hmm. i was like what so i can imagine going back through and rereading and catching those little things and being there and being like oh there's probably you know a half dozen little reveals that they're not gonna as far as I know they're not gonna bother actually revealing in the main storyline but they're there for you to grab if you Mm -hmm. want them so I was like
0: that's pretty sweet yeah yeah it's awesome uh right, so let's move on Mm -hmm. and do another reddit comment this one's from Yankee Doodle Candy (laughs) I just love reddit handles you (laughs) guys these are so (laughs) great I, I don't know what Harvey Greenfield means but anyway uh but yankee doodle candy says did you find yourself upset at the dearth of dice every time you started a new chapter
1: because there's, so, no there's no because there's
0: no mad in this book is there no is it no mat. No Matt. No Matt.
1: okay no Matt in this book because there was no parent in the previous book i believe right and I, this one there's no Matt.
0: i gotta say i until i got that comment i didn't even notice i didn't notice that there was no Matt in this book and you know, a lot of people are going to be screaming at me, you know, through their car stereo or whatever. But uh, I'm not saying I don't like Matt. I really like reading Matt. It's just that there are so many characters to get through, so many characters to read about that it just made sense to me whenever he switched to another point of view. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I got to catch up with this person. And if he had done the same thing with Matt, it wouldn't have phased me. It wouldn't have been like, oh, yeah, I haven't heard from Matt in a while. It would have just been like, oh, okay, great. Let's catch up with Matt's storyline. I had no idea.
2: That's exactly why I didn't mind. I I noticed it. I noticed it during the read. It's like, oh hey, there's no mat in this book. And by the time we got in the middle of it, I, I figured there probably wouldn't be any mat. Yeah. And I, that's exactly the reason I didn't mind is because there was a lot of stuff to catch up with. And and I figure it means that there will be a lot of mat in the next book, which is always good.
1: I I could be very wrong on this, so that's a highly likely piece. Yeah, that's um, true. But I I think that robert jordan one of the hardest things about this series also to follow is the time that has passed in these things um in a single book how much time goes by um at the end of the last book if i remember right matt's injured in the battle with the golem yes
3: yeah he's like buried underneath a wall or something like that
1: yeah he's injured there and in the previous one perrin got injured Mm -hmm. at the end of that book whatever and so it's kind of like he injures one of the main characters and knocks him out of commission a little bit so that he can write a few days worth of things while they heal. <laughs> right. And I'm I'm okay with that, but I at least want to recognize that that's what he's doing. Okay. You know, it could be. Because, yeah, we don't get Matt and we I, get him later, yeah. but... I think but
3: this it, goes back to the people that read it as they were being published and people who've read it afterwards, because when... Because they're looking forward for two yeah, years. You're for waiting for Matt two stuff. years to find out what happened to Matt because he just got injured and you don't hear about it at all and so you've now waited four or five years to figure out is matt still alive what's going on you know so i'll just chalk it up to that
0: all right uh all right medic 318 asks we have been watching rand's slow descent into madness for several books now what is your take on lose theron is he real or is he just construct of rand's mind discuss and yeah he's real
2: oh yeah yep
1: yeah, I I have to say that he's real. Um, I have a v- my challenge is that if he's not real, then I need to know that something like what happened with the Alefin and Matt happened with Rand, because where Matt gets memories from oh, from I other see. people, right? Because if Luc Theron is not real in Rand's mind, then how is he creating these weaves that he's never seen before? Right, how is right, it right. when he kind of fades out that and how does he remember the? The uh, forsaken so well and things like that. It yeah. doesn't. If you say that it's just a construct in his mind, then you got to give me a piece as to how those pieces are in place because you don't just imagine that. Luckily, every single time in the series, right, right. Yep, so, I'm
2: with you there. Well, one of the Reddit users mentions or rebuts that I mean, Luce Theron basically is the one who busts him out of the box. You know, and when he's when he's capturing, it. he's he's learning things from Luce Theron, like you said that that he shouldn't know, and so I mean, it's got to be real.
1: So and it's, if he, and like I said, if he's a subconscious piece, you know, even the busting out of the box thing, like, you can subconsciously do things, and Rand could be using the power in a different subconscious way, which really makes his battles with Luz in kind of these great psychological battles, but I need to know where the information's coming from, because it, and you want to write it off to, hit like, Rebirth, that Luce the, the voice in his head isn't real, but because he's the dragon reborn, like, those memories are stored in his DNA or something, a la Assassin's Creed style, You've got to explain that to me, and you're. I'd say you're running out of book, but I think we still got two million <laughs> words to um, do that. Oh, my goodness. I, so to
2: me, it's just it's the, simplest, it, it, the simplest explanation yeah, yeah. Is, is the right one. It's,
0: Luz Theron was in the prologue of the first book. Every Forsaken says that's, he's Luce Theron. That's my number one reason. Yeah. I, if he weren't real, if this weren't a real guy in the back of Rand's mind, then Robert Jordan wouldn't have given us a massive yep. uh, prologue in book one that was— obviously incredibly important to the story yeah exactly
2: and so for me it's the obvious answer is the right one and so yeah
3: this is one of those times where i know and so i don't want to like comment <laughs> on the actual conversation but i do want to say there's one person who does know in the book and that would be cad swain because yep. she's the one that's come up to rand and are said, you hearing voices, and, said, and, said, you voices? The voices yet? and then i just want to comment one of my favorite interactions between rand and Luz theron is when lose theron says to rand I wouldn't mind having you in my head if you weren't so clearly mad. Right. Which is, I just think is a fantastic line. I
0: loved that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm still sticking with my earlier uh, assumption that not only is Luce there and real, but all male channelers go crazy in part because they start hearing their old selves or their, you know, they're, uh, they are the reincarnation of whatever person in that. So that a uh, channeling brings them into contact let, with that former yeah person. let me just
3: clarify on what you guys are like so i understand what you're theorizing or what you're saying yeah. is happening are you saying that Luz theron and rand are separate identities or you're saying that they're the same identity it's two two separate identities.
0: sides of the same coin yeah okay right okay so rand is the the reincarnation if you will Mm -hmm. but uh i I, and i don't really know how this would work metaphysically but he's he is the reincarnation but uh but with a different identity i would
1: the way i would try and describe it is that rand they are both threads in the pattern to use this what they use in the story here Mm -hmm. and lose theron and rand's they are woven together. They're wrapped together okay. with Rand being the physical body and mind, everything and Luce Theron is able to also uh, control that when given the opportunity because he's wrapped so tightly to Rand okay. as the reincarnation.
3: Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I just wanted to, I wanted to clarify on what your guys' thoughts are. So you can tell us that, when we're wrong later. So I the, t- no, just so that I know. Rub, don't it, rub in it in our, our have, faces. Well, and I think just to clarify for the, for the listeners as well, like what do we mean when we say Rand and Luce Theron? are different or the same or whatever, you know, just clarifying so we know what that thought process
0: is. Okay. So, All right. Well, I think I have gotten through all of the Reddit comments. And so now let's talk about uh, some of our other stuff. Ken, Ryan, do you guys have any notes you want to bring up? I basically have little things from here on out. I
2: think we've hit all the big stuff. I mean, uh, little, little notes like, um, Oh, I can't. Speak them into the microphone. I'm working on it. I can't find... Uh, the uh, the Altaran Air Force, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, they have their... their uh, What are they called? Um, the, the Altarans or the Shanchan? Well, the Shanchan,
0: they use the... Yeah, the, the Rakan? Yeah, mm-hmm. there we
2: go. But I thought the Alterans I Can't were, believe I just pulled that name out of my. I thought that was good. I thought it was the Altarans that were working with this Shan Chan. I don't know. Anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean they've got they've conquered several right. several yeah, but, but the just nations. that
2: that little that little scene where you know they had the the plowed out field and the the rock and were landing there. So I thought, mm-hmm.
3: oh, that's kind
0: of yeah. cool. So I I liked the description of the 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 flyer the flyer who gets blown up yeah mm. by the Elaine bomb. And that, that description of falling toward the earth and then mm-hmm. coming out of the dive at the last second. And then you know, her her fellow flyer wasn't so lucky. That was a great bit.
1: This is the one where Elaine tries to unweave a gateway. Yes. And it, yeah. And everyone's like, the ice said, I have a new weapon that's super powerful. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, yes. yeah, it's called idiocy. It's called an accident. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. It's
0: called bad idea. So uh, the Golam, chapter two, I think it is, uh I wanted to read a little quote. Curious, it peered around the room, but there was nothing beyond the crushed corpse on the floor tiles and a feel of something, not the one power, but something that made it itch. And um it it reminded me of the the sorry, it reminded me of the true source. The golem can feel the true source having been used near and recently. And then this is mentioned along with Matt's medallion, and I'm thinking the medallion was made by the True Source, or like with through the power of the True Source. So it's True like Source or True Power, True whichever one is the not no, regular one. The Matt one from the Dark One. one.
1: The True Power. True, true power. power.
0: Thank you. Gosh, I, this this is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, True Power. Dark One's taint. All that stuff. Um, true Power. So that's what's that's what Matt's medallion is made from.
1: Okay, I like that concept. Yeah, um, because
0: because uh, you know I, I can't I, I can see as uh, I can see Robert Jordan writing it so that the true source can't be used to make something to block the true source, but the true power can be used to make something that blocks the true source. Oh gosh, I hate it. This definitely so brings so much. a different
3: meaning meaning one, to uh, the Dark One's own luck for sure. Exactly, or er, Matt's the lucky one, and yeah, yep.
0: interesting. Okay. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. And there was another object and I was looking for my notes and I must have forgotten to write it down. And so now, you know, I'll be darned if I can remember exactly what it was. But at some point, there's another object late in the book that goes cool when somebody is channeling. And I cannot remember what that object is. If you remember, email me at Craig at the dot com or go to Reddit and remind me because I cannot remember for the life of me what that object is. Uh, but there's something else anyway, so there's there's more than just Matt's medallion floating around. Um, yeah, so, and yeah. scene. Okay, what else we got? Ryan
1: Kyle? Uh, mine's just a very quick thought that I'm almost certain you've already talked about. Um, if the Shido have any redemptive quality, it's that they got took Fael. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of my points too. Is uh, the the Shido kidnapped Fael, so I guess they're not all bad. Yeah. My my second point that goes along with that is how far into book nine before they give her back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think that's in the prologue, <laughs> scene one. Very, nice, very um, nice. What about team bad guy? Let's talk about team bad guy for a oh, minute. Yeah. Okay. What um, about him? So we've got Moradin, and he's been poking around for a little bit now. Boy, that, shows that up use in, of the
2: saw is really cool. Just, yeah, the, the, the imagery black, of the yeah, black. cross his eyes. Crosses eyes. Um his eyes.
3: So obviously he, show, he showed up in book seven, and we had the whole incident with the balefire streams crossing and all of that. But he is behind the scenes pulling some strings on two literal puppets that he has now in... Mogedian and, and a a new a new well, Grindle, female but... channeler, Sindane. So yes. I think what I will pose to the podcast: Who's Moradin? He's he's who's clearly who's Sindane. And I guess... what's going on with the? Uh, I can't pronounce it because it's the old tongue. But the uh, mind traps. I think that that the mind trap concept is yeah. so cool so creepy but so cool.
1: I have a friend who actually has um, Badali Jewelry makes a version of the Mind Trap Crystal thing that you can get and she has one. And I was like, so whose mind is in there? She's like, I'm not telling. <laughs> <laughs> and then you shou- you sh- like shudder. So, so your like friend a- is creepy. Yeah, just close. <laughs>
2: okay. Mortem is he's clearly somebody who we've seen
0: before. Really? Why? Why clearly? I just, uh, no, not clearly. Okay, well, maybe not clearly, but I, I
2: feel like, and I, I think I know who, and I don't want to say because I don't want to be wrong.
0: Well, that, that's the thing, is like, Kyle was asking me this question earlier, and I'm like, dang, that's kind of a spoiler because... Now I'm looking at who it could have been. And in my mind, it was just like, no, nah, he's just a guy who uh, the Dark Lord had kept in his back pocket near his taint. See, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, then that's who he
2: is. That's I think the thing. question is, is who is this guy that all of a
3: sudden is, is, well, I, I is thought set so, up to be but he in knows, charge of the Forsaken? He
2: knows all of them. I mean, he knows every single one of them. And I guess he could be just some spoiler that, you know, shows up and, and has done his homework. But I, I feel like he's somebody that we've seen before. And again, I don't want to say who I think it is because. So do I you have, think it's the dark one? No, no. I I don't. But
1: sh- I have two thoughts. Okay. I, yeah, I'm not I have two say. thoughts as to who it could be, and I can Careful. back each. Thank you. Now back each one up with what we have so far. The reason why it's not just a random person or whatever.
2: I'm going to write it down so that um, if you say it, I don't. You know, get blamed.
1: I, I don't believe it's a random person. I do believe it's someone that we've seen before, and I do believe that it's probably one of the first people that we saw before. Um, Simply because uh, we don't have a precedence for creating a new Forsaken and we've been introduced to all of the Forsaken in terms of like the listing out here are the Forsaken. So it'll be all of a sudden like, well, really, there's a 14th Forsaken that was being kept by the taint or whatever, you know, like it's I don't buy it. I don't buy it, especially considering we've already talked about threads being woven back in. Um and balefire being the only thing that can keep like truly keep a forsaken out right. this is a forsaken that was killed by something other than balefire so go back through the list it's a pretty short list um and so it's got to be one of the, one of them and the i the fact that the reason why I feel like that's also the case is because Rand doesn't recognize like no one recognizes him when they see him like they don't recognize him at all and Luz theron would would recognize like i feel like Luz theron would recognize somebody um otherwise so this is this is a reincarnation of a previous forsaken mm, or i'm putting money down on that
0: or you know who we haven't seen in a while is tam al thor <laughs> i'm thinking it's tam in disguise there
1: call there it put a <laughs> fork in it it's done yeah i'm gonna go with a big fat no on that one <laughs> yeah. but, oh i thought that was
2: credible <laughs> Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, this is a
1: Forsaken, and I would put it down to being the first one. Oh, um,
0: of of the th- there were two that were brought back, and one of them was brought back as a sexy lady. No, and no, not those two. Not, not, not the two Arangard, first two, but
1: the one the f- the one that led them for the longest, the um, Ishmael. Oh, really? I'm you putting think it down as back? Ishmael Really? Yeah, he wasn't killed with Balefire. Uh, Kalandor was stabbed through his chest. And so he can be brought back, and I think the Dark One would take the the one who was basically calling himself the Dark One, calling himself Ba'al Zaman for so long, and say, "Okay,
0: let's see what you got. Let's see
1: what you got." Yeah, I mean, you've been you did a good job, so we're gonna give you a, a fancy new body, um, which coincidentally is gonna look kind of interesting.
0: By the way, say that more creepily. A new body, a new body. <laughs> we're gonna give you a new body. <laughs>
1: um, and so that's my money's down on that. Okay. All, all right. right. I let's wrote get it get down,
2: us. and that's who. I had it down on, but I had it down for, for, uh, writer reasons. And that's, I mean, I remember back in the, when we did the podcast, we thought it seemed like kind of anticlimactic that he's just gone. He seemed like he was supposed to be a bigger deal than that. And all of a sudden he was gone. And so I'm like, eh, I have right. a feeling right. that he's, you know, he's back. And yes, I think he's back, back. Again. I think
1: the fact that he's not recognized is part of why I'm also saying that it's a reincarnation there. Yeah. So,
0: Okay. Uh, Kyle, do you have anything else you want to bring up? Uh, well, the second part of that
3: question is we've got Mogedian and, and... Oh, I'm new, sorry. That's new right. chick.
1: Yeah. Sindane. Sindane? Sindane. What do we know about Sindane? I don't remember. No, she uh,
0: nothing. She's in she's, charge. She's got a mind trap from Morden. And that she used Wait, on... wait. That she's, she has one around her neck? No. Or so she's own, he owns he her, owns too? He owns her
3: and Mogedian. Okay. That's what right. we know. Okay. We know... That the other, uh, at least the other forsaken that have interacted with her, don't know who she is either, um, because I think it's is it, it's Graindall that interacts with. I don't know if it's Graindall yeah, or they show up at Graindall's. Yeah, house. and and she, um, continually is talking to Mogedian and Sindane continues to like lead the conversation, and Graindall's thinking to herself like why is Mulgedion letting this girl do this or whatever? And yeah. Yeah. So anyways, just thought I'd... I have no there. idea. See what you guys thought. I have thought. no idea who because it could be. Clearly Unless... she's powerful and dangerous enough that uh, Morden needs to control her. Yeah. Unless
0: this is the uh, the return of... Who's the hot one who wants Rand's body? Lanfear. Lanfear.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Could be the oh, return of yeah. Lanfear.
1: No, there's, yeah, no brain matter on that one. Exactly.
0: Yeah, no, there's no way she's dead. And there's no way Moraine's dead.
1: That's I've, So if she's not dead, though. Korsuver, that's the name of the, the mind trap. Right. Korsuver. Would they not recognize her?
0: Um, well, not if she was given a fancy new body. Which new is... Body. That seems
3: but to she be would thing. have had to die, right?
0: Well, maybe... I don't, okay. I don't know, man. Look, I'm just saying. You're
3: saying Moraine, if if it's if it's her, and then that means Moraine's not dead, but that's not necessarily true because if it is her, she would have had to have died in order to be resurrected and given a fancy new body. Really,
0: but, I don't know the rules. This is a pretty soft magic system we're dealing with here.
1: But here's the thing: is that you know Moraine and Lorraine, Lorraine Moraine and Lanfear go down <laughs> <I'm> your density, <laughs> go down through there, uh, continue there. Epic Gandalf Balrog battle on the other side. Right. Figure out however that works out. And, you know, and she ends up, it's possible that Moraine kills her and does that in there. We just don't, we don't know what happens on the other side of that. She could also have, they battle it out and she escapes and she takes off and for failure, um, you know, Shadar Haran or whatever, like kills her and says, Well, she was useful. Bring her back, bring her back, bring her back, bring her back. And, <laughs> you know, gives her a new body, but not quite as hot this time. Let's do this. <laughs> You know, that's we're downgrading you because you just really you done messed up. So, <laughs> no, make mo- no,
0: never mind. That was a jo- yeah. that was a terrible joke. I won't make it. Uh, okay, I like that. I like that idea um, of me
1: not making the joke. Both, yeah. yeah. The idea that it could be land fear. I hadn't thought of that before. Neither. In fact, I, was- Aha! I win one. Yeah, <laughs> <Good job.
0: laughs>
1: even if I'm wrong.
0: Uh, okay, cool. Let's see. Oh, I have one last quick level three thing. It's something we don't necessarily have to discuss very much, but it's back in that same conversation with... Uh, uh, what's the the one we hate? Uh, c- c- Catswain? Catswain. 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 Catswain is talking with... Oh, gosh. Sorrelia? Yes, thank you. Hey, Sorrelia. names. Names. I'm so good at names. Catswain and Sorelia are talking, and they're talking about... Uh, this is right before... The strong versus hard discussion, and uh, Sorelia sends away her new apprentice, Isidai Karuna. And she says, the main thing Karuna Nachiman must learn is that she owns her pride. It does not own her. She will be a very strong woman once she learns that. And then they go on to talk about what strength actually means and all that stuff. But really it gives Katswain the ability to travel right within that same scene. Right. Um, but I, I love this line. Um, she must learn that she, uh, she owns her pride. It does not own her. And I think this is a really good lesson for a certain type of person. And it's, so it's maybe not necessary for everybody. There are those who are just naturally humble and or meek and that's fine. I'm not one of them. I'm kind of a <laughs> dick, uh, and you And this is so. When I read this, I, it was just kind of one of those little punches to the gut. And it's it's like, oh yeah, that's a that's a good one to remember. I ought to remember that. Thanks, R.J. Thanks, R.J. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it, she owns her pride. It does not own her. And we could talk about this for a long time, but we're already out of time. But I did want to bring it up just. You know, think about it. It's think nice. about it. If this is if you are somebody for whom this lesson yeah, might apply, give this a little bit of thought. What does it mean to own your pride instead of the other way around? Anyway, uh, final thoughts. Anybody else? Uh, we can take another minute or two. But uh,
1: just a quick question. I want to throw out to you, kay. to everyone, just to see what your thoughts are based on where what we've gone through so far, the dealing with the Shan Shan, Rand's big battle at the end, and killing a lot of his own people what he always talks about how he's got these plans he's trying to stay ahead of people or whatever what is he driving to right now rand yeah mm-hmm. what is he driving to in terms of trying to prepare for tarman gaiden what is he what is his main aspiration right now Ooh.
0: Well, i don't know but that the way you pronounced that just now just made me want to play ninja gaiden <laughs> <laughs> really bad um uh, I, don't I don't want to yeah, bring it up because i don't want to yeah you don't get to answer well
3: I've been accused before of spoiling things (laughs) that are actually in the book. So what I will say is go back and read the conversations between Rand and the Ashaman in this book to see what Rand is thinking. But I won't say anything because I don't want anybody to be like, oh, you spoiled this. And then I've got to go out and capture or copy and paste the whole section in the book and <laughs> highlight and bold certain things. doesn't he so, uh,
0: isn't he going to wet wipe the taint. jeez. Um, <sighs> <laughs> right that's what the conversation is. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right, so I'm not crazy.
1: So it's it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, goes. that's I feel like that's his driving force right now, but like I'm that's his next big check mark off of yeah. his list is yeah. to, is to do this, but I My biggest thing about this is trying to watch how he's trying to accomplish that right Mm -hmm. now because he doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot other than reviewing Herod Fell's literature. Notes, yeah, yeah. And like, we are, I feel like we're being kept in the dark about that when I feel like that's such a big deal that we should be following Rand a little bit more on on that piece.
0: Well, hopefully we we will in the next book. Uh, All right, shall we call it?
3: Will you allow me to be a little bit sappy for a minute?
0: Yeah. So Uh, You know what? This is one of my favorite parts. Here we go. All right.
3: So I have this really old copy of The Path of Daggers. It's beat to hell. I will take a picture of it and post it on Reddit. But it was really enjoyable for me because this is one of the last books that I got to read with my dad before he passed away when I was 15. So my dad got me into The Wheel of Time. I don't even have any tissues. And, uh it's really cool because he has a bunch of notes in the side margin of this copy. And it was really interesting as I was taking my own notes and father's day was yesterday. And I was looking through all of this and it was really cool to remind me like these stories that we read and all this level three stuff that we talk about, like this really affects real life people. And so part of me wants to say, you know, thank you to, Team Jordan, Robert Jordan, uh, his wife who edited it, Brandon Sanderson for finishing it, and you know all the fans that read it and support it, so that you know I can have that connection with my dad every time I reread through this series, and uh, it's just something really, really cool to me. So, you know, any stories that you're reading, whether it's Wheel of Time or anything else, um, it's it's a connection that you make with people and you see these characters and I have a real connection with these characters that connects me to somebody that I care about that I don't get to see anymore. Um, so I just kind of wanted to share that cause I thought it was a kind of a cool experience. This is the last one that he was able to read and he never actually got to finish the series. So anyway, thought I'd throw that out there, uh, share it. I'm just you impressed
0: all... you got through all that without crying. That's a, that's a good, story. I couldn't have done it. Uh okay well well said. Uh I don't know my my dad didn't leave uh or he's still here, but my dad hasn't given me a lot of like book stuff. Uh, it's interesting that I uh that I fell into such a a book life, but it was my mom that did that for me. So, uh we'll we'll see what uh what stories like that I have uh as life progresses. Anyway, uh okay, well I guess on that note, let's go ahead and leave it. Thank you everybody for listening. And uh, gosh, we are eight books through. We've got six, six (laughs) more to go halfway. Oh, oh gosh. Before I go, I will address that uh, a lot of people are clamoring for what? New Spring. New Spring uh, to be the next one that we read right is it it was published after eight yes it was either after eight or nine okay anyway i'll go look it up um and i will just mention i i I think yes we will read new spring at some point but my current thinking is that we will read new spring as uh as, as a kind of detox maybe a month or two after we finish the series and we'll let the ending sit for a little while and then we'll go back and read it and I know a lot of people are saying that's not the best way to do it because if you read it in publication order there is some information about who the Aes are and why they did what they did and how Moraine found Rand and all that stuff and I get that um I'm just not sure that I care right now <laughs> quite frankly mm-hmm. uh we need to get through these books and four, well,
1: 14 is quite enough and if, we, so. if we have to read this if we have to read new spring here in order to make the rest of it make sense then i feel that that's a major fault yeah. mm-hmm. to the series as a whole Good because boy. it's one of the things to say that oh guys i really need you to understand this so i'm going to write a whole separate book right that it, it takes place somewhere else so that you can understand everything i'm doing going forward i'm all i'm all for that sort of thing in the afterwards like it gives you more context or whatever but mm-hmm. that that shouldn't be the case if if you feel like we have to do this now yeah right. then that's a, that's a strike against the series that okay. was the same
3: point i was about to make is that to me reading it through and and dissecting it a little bit as we are it's it doesn't make sense and it's not necessarily fair to the story as a whole to stop to to plug in something right um, okay. And it's not necessary. I've read through it all. It's it's great. It's a great read. But I think it actually will work a little bit better as a detox. Um, and come back to it. And then the problem is, is when we come back to it and read a new spring, then you're going to want to start all over ah, again. Ah, dang it! Now we got to reread it.
0: <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Uh, the other thing that everybody tells me all the time on Reddit and elsewhere is that. Uh, it is it is unavoidable. It is your destiny that when you get to the end of these 14 books, you're going to just like weep and wail and gnash your teeth because you miss all the characters so much and you you don't want to leave this world that you've been in for 14 books. And I say, okay, well, we'll see about that. But if that's the case, it'll be nice to have a, a shorter book that we can read a couple months out from the end and just say, okay, that was a nice little catch up and dip feel like we're back, back in. So anyway, we'll see how it goes. Uh, now, really, we've got to go. So thanks everybody again for listening. Patreon.com slash Legendarium. TheLegendarium.reddit.com And uh, we'll see you all for the next episode which should be Treason by Orson Scott Card. See you all then. Thanks again. Goodbye.